Well, as I said, we're looking at the life of Elisha today, and we're looking at Elisha in from 2 Kings chapter 4. And I, I don't know if I even really need to ask this sort of, in sermon prep we call it the hook, right? The reason that you might really want to listen to this today. The reason should be it's God's word, and he's got something to say to you. But just in case, the hook is, have you experienced those you know, curveballs of life? Those unexpected things that come? Like, for example, the Rangers are in the World Series, not the Orioles, right? That was not what I was expecting, right? That was not who I thought was going to be in the World Series this year. It kind of threw us a little curve, and they throw, like, literal curveballs, um, and we always call them that, right? The curveball, right, in baseball is that thing that's unexpected, right? Because, because you're thinking the ball is coming straight, and at the last minute, it, 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 it dips. The, the pitchers are able to have a particular grip and put a, a, a particular spin. That as they throw that ball, that it's coming a certain way. The batter's expecting it to be at a certain place. He's expecting to connect in a certain way. He's looking forward. He's already thinking he's at first base. He's already thinking he's rounding to second. He already knows where he's going. And all of a sudden, in the last possible moment, the ball changes direction. It goes a different way, and you miss it. And it's a strike. You were expecting first, first base, second base. You were expecting a home run. And all of a sudden, strike two, <laughs> the curveball. In life, those things come. They come quite regularly. You had a plan. This is how it was going to go down. You said, I, every semester, you line it all out, all your classes. You had all of your, your, your tests, your papers, you know which week. You've color-coded your, anybody done this already over here? Our, our, our college group size is growing, if you guys haven't noticed. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but, but you had a plan, and then your professor's like, okay, I'm a little bit behind, so we're going to move your test too. And you're like, no, 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 you can't move my test. That's what I had. That's what I'm doing. No, 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 no. Yeah, everybody's looking at me going, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't do that. That's why I have a 4.8 rating on rate my professor. Okay, I, I don't do that. Nah. If I'm behind, I'll catch up or I just cut it out. Okay, we all have these curveballs. We thought, man, this is how I was going to go and this is how my retirement was going to go and all of a sudden you're looking at the thing and it's like, where did it, what, that's not the same number it was last month. That's not how much I had in my 401k or my 403b. That's not what just happened. Or something happens like Pastor Barry, something medical has it. Many of you have experienced this. Wait, what just happened? This is not what I expected to happen this week. These curveballs in life come. I want us to read this story about a woman whose life was truly blessed, a woman who was truly serving God, a woman who, whose life seemed to be going in a very good path, she didn't have everything she wanted, but it was good. And I think she was content until the curveballs came. So let's take a look. In 2 Kings chapter 4, it says this. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman. Is that in anybody's future plans? I, I, well-to-do is not bad. A little wealth isn't a bad thing. Okay, A well-to-do woman was there. She urged him, the prophet, to stay for a meal. So he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know this man who often comes our way, that this prophet of God who's doing a circuit of judging Israel, in other words, leading the people of God, uh, that this person who is, is walking through, um, yeah, he's speaking to them, saying, hey, look, um, come on through. Um, go ahead and, and stop by and eat. She says, this guy who comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room for him. 
He's got to have places to stay. Let's put a room on the roof and put a bed and a table in it, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there wherever he, when he comes to us. This woman who had a little bit of resources, this woman who had some wealth decides, hey, look, there's a spiritual man. There's a person who will bless our family. I like the conversations. I like hearing about the Lord. Let's bless him back. Let's provide a place that whenever he comes this way, we'll have a guest room that's set up, a guest room that's ready for him. What do we know about this woman so far? Okay, she was wealthy. She had the comforts of the time. We know that she has a heart for God's work. She, she was responsive to, 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 to the God of heaven who she knew was giving those blessings, and she wanted to bless God's kingdom and bless his work and bless the prophet of God as he moved around. And what do we know? She had a pretty supportive husband. I don't, we don't know his spiritual condition. We don't know if he was excited about the holy man of God coming through, but we do know that he was supportive, that he said, okay, sure, let's go ahead. Let's build that little room. Okay, let, let, let's put some money into this. He was willing to support her endeavors, her passions. And guys, that's a good thing. We need to be supportive of our spouses. We all need to help encourage their dreams. We need to encourage their walk with Jesus. We need to encourage their spiritual life. We need to pray for our spouses continually. Even those that don't know the Lord yet, let's continue to pray. Let's continue to support. Let's continue to encourage. We learn a lot from this woman who was truly blessed. It says in verse 11 that one day when Elisha came, he came up to his room and he lay down there. And thinking as he probably should, <laughs> He said to his servant, call the Shunammite. So he called her and stood before him. And Elisha said, um, tell her, you, you've gone to all this trouble for us. What can be done for you? Can we speak to, to the king um, on your behalf? Um, or, or maybe the commander of the army. Do you need more protection for your crops or your herds? Um, has the king done something that you, you need your taxes lowered? Could we use this influence that we have uh, on, on your behalf? You've been a blessing to me. I want to be a blessing to you. And look at how she replies. I have a home. I have a home among my people. Elisha, this was just gratitude. He was just being thankful. Do any of you guys have trouble with that? You know, being thankful, having gratitude? Sometimes I forget to say thank you to all the people that help, to all the people who come alongside, to all the people that help the ministries go, or my personal life. <clears throat> She's running the, the, the online version today, so maybe she won't hear this. My wife, sometimes I don't th say thank you enough to my wife. Right? We just need to say thank you more. We even need, I find myself being a little <laughs> focused on, my, my, on me, and sometimes when people say, hey, how are you doing? I'm happy to tell you, oh, I'm doing pretty well. Things are going good, thanks. You're supposed to ask back. I'm trying to train myself. Oh, and how are you doing? Right? You're, you're supposed to ask back. Sometimes we get too focused on us. This woman was focused on blessing. Elisha was learning to be thankful. And here this woman expresses contentment. I have a home among my people. I have a place to live. God has blessed us. My, my husband's a good husband. Hey, I've got a home. I've got a place among my people. Things are good. Things are good. Contentment is huge. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, that godliness with contentment is great gain. I think the Shunammite woman embodies godliness with contentment. Is that you? Is that you? 
for all the things the Lord has given you. Are you still going, yeah, but there's this one thing, Jesus, if I could just have this. Or God, if you would just fix this one thing. Or, and all of your, your energies, all of your worries, all of your, is about something else. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This woman has a lot to teach us because I think she doesn't ask for really something that was pretty big and pretty deep in her heart. She just says, look, I'm good. God has blessed me. Godliness with contentment. Well, Elisha doesn't stop. In fact, he asks his servant um, in verse 14, he says, what can be done for her? I mean, she's being all, you know, okay, no, we're good. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. What can be done for her? And Gazi says, you know, she doesn't have a son. Her husband's old. And so Elisha says, call her. He called her, and she stood in the doorway. And she said, verse 16, Elisha says, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And now we see that place of maybe discontentment, that place that maybe there was a longing that she'd come to accept, this place that was a hole in her life. And she says, no, my Lord, no, 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 no. Please, man of God, do not mislead your servant. This is not something to play around with. This, is, this has been that place that I, I, I didn't have that son. I didn't have that child. I, this is what I wanted to grow this family. This is what I wanted to be able to give to my husband. This was how we preserve our name. This one who would inherit all that, that we have. This one who would carry on for us. This one who would build the nation and the people of God this one that I could mentor and devote, this one I could teach the Lord. I had come to a place of being content. No, my Lord, do not deceive your servant by saying, I will have a son. But the prophet was right. The prophet had prayed. God had answered this prayer. Did you know all the way through the scriptures, when you read the Old Testament stories, there's always these moments of this special child, this special son, right? You see this with Abraham, who didn't have a son, and for until he was 100 years old, until the child of promise, Isaac, had come. For Isaac, he doesn't have a son for a while. Um, then later, we, have, we see with, with um, Jacob and Esau, we see the 12 son, children. But as it goes on, Joseph is that special son because Rachel couldn't have children at first. But she later has Joseph and Benjamin, these ones who Joseph would then be the savior of all of God's people. In Judges, you have that special son like a Samson who would come along later, um, who would be the special. Uh, for Hannah, who prayed and prayed for Samuel, the prophet, who would turn the people back to God and lead and introduce this concept of a prophet and a priest and a king that would later foretell the Messiah, Jesus, who was coming. This special special son all the way through that points us to someone. It points us to Jesus, this miraculous son, this one who would be born, this one who would come and, and be our savior ultimately. This has been all the way through the scriptures. Here we see another event where there's this special one, this, this promised son, this one who would actually kind of sort of point to Jesus um, is given here. And she says, no, Lord, don't mislead your servant. But in verse 17 it says, but the woman did become pregnant. And the next year, about that time, she gave birth just as Elisha had told her. Okay, she had the wealth. She had the heart for God. She had the supportive husband. She was content. But God had something even more, an even greater blessing. She received a miracle. She received that miracle to answer that place in her heart that she had longed for for so long. She received that miracle for God. In Luke chapter 12, we see a verse. For everyone who has been given much, much will be 
demanded. From the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Um, I always learned it in the older King James, but too much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. This woman had received so much and had encountered God in such deep ways. And here it comes. Are you ready for the plot twist? Are you ready for the curveball? Here it comes. And then the curveball came. Then, <clears throat> I think Towson is actually playing in the semifinals of the uh, CEA, right? right the, this afternoon. It's going to be pretty cool. I, I'm excited. All right. But I, what I love is when the, the, the players have the skill of, we always talk about cur curveballs in baseball, but if you've never seen curveballs in soccer, it's amazing. There'll be a whole wall of defenders standing in a line, and a guy has a penalty shot, and the goal is right in front of him, and somehow he's kicking it, and it kind of goes around like a boomerang and goes around the defenders into the goal. Okay, maybe it's that. But it curves so slightly. But he can make it curve up and over. I watched Messi in his first game as a youth playing in the United States for the Miami, and he curves one over the guy's head, and then it, it was going to go over the goal, but then it curves down and goes into the goal. It was an amazing shot, and we rejoice over those. But when we have those shots in our lives, oh man, they throw us. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 4. Here's what it says, verse 18. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers, the guys working in the field, and he said to his father, my head, my head, something's just hurting. And the father said, look, carry him to his mother. We're busy right now. He's sick. I'm taking him in. And it says in verse 20 that after the servant lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat in her lap until noon. And then he died. And then he died. The ultimate curveball. That this child that she never thought she would have, now she was holding in her arms. And now can you imagine the grief as he, as he dies? The miracle child. The, the, the one who, okay, she had asked for, but then she didn't ask for. And then the prophet had predicted, why? Doesn't this almost seem cruel? How could this be? After she had given so much, after God had blessed her so much, he died. So she went up and she laid the child on the bed of the man of God. She shut the door. She went out. Verse 24 says, she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. And she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. This is almost maybe 20 miles. Um, it's 18 exactly, but that's going straight up and over. If you go kind of around and follow, it might be 20, 24 miles. I mean, she is moving, and, they, and the servant is hustling, and the donkeys are going, and she's got to get there and got to get to God. She needs answers. She needs to know why. She needs to see if God has a provision, and she runs. And in verse 25, it says, when the prophet saw her at the distance, he said, look, look, there's the Shunammite. There she comes. What's going on? He tells his servant to run. In fact, run, meet her, ask her, are you okay? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? What's going on? And her answer is, everything's all right. Uh, uh, okay. She keeps coming. She keep, comes to the prophet. And what does it say in verse 27? When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Now, in this culture, you're not really supposed to touch the prophet, and men and women really, if they're not married, aren't supposed to be touching, and so this is kind of bad, and so Gehazi comes over to kind of push her away, but the man of God says, no, no, leave her alone. She is bitter and distressed, but the Lord has hidden it from me. I, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on, and she begins to just pour out her heart. Did I ask you 
Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? It would have been better if I never, I mean, to go through this grief right now, why in the world would you take me there? I don't understand. I don't know why. This doesn't make any sense. Elijah tells Gehazi, tuck your coat into your belt, take your staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anybody on the way. If anybody greets you, don't answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. Move quickly with this. Verse 30, but the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. So Elisha gets up and he follows her. Verse 31, Gehazi went on ahead. He laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound. There was no response. Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and said, the boy has not awakened. This was not enough. This wasn't the miracle power that maybe you had expected, Elisha. God has not moved. And verse 32, Elisha reaches the house. He goes upstairs, sees the boy lying dead on the couch. He went in. He shut the door on the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. I don't know if you're like me. But so often when the curveballs come, I got to try to fix it. My mind goes into overdrive. How, okay, well, how, how do I fill in this? How do I meet this gap? What can I do? Can I rearrange some funds? How can I rearrange my times? Is there someone I can call to substitute for me? Is there someone that can fix this part of the problem? How am I going to handle it? Who do I need to call? How do I need to solve it? What needs to happen? Brothers and sisters, why don't we pray first? Why don't we pray first? Well, last time a problem came up, you know, something else was wrong with my refrigerator. I called Ryan. Ryan fixed it. I'll, I'll just call Ryan. Or, hey, last time something else happened in my life, I just got, you know, uh, Joe to sub in, and Joe came and filled in for the music. Or last time I had something else happened in my life, I called Mom and said, hey, Mom, I need some money. You might call Mom for money. Yay. Okay. And so, yeah, call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time I called, last time something else happened, I, this is how I fixed it. This is how it came out. We're so quickly... We're so quick to run to our, 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 our own abilities, to our own set of resources. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I think we should try to use the things that God has given and rely on the people that God has put in our lives. I think that is, those are gifts. But let's pray first. Let's pray first. Elisha went and he prayed to the Lord. It says, verse uh, 34, he got up on the bed. He lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hand. He stretched out himself and the boy's body began to grow warm. It says in verse 35, Elisha turned away and he walked back and forth in the room and he got on the bed and he stretched out on him once more and the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Verse 36, Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite, and he did. And when the woman came, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, bowed out on the ground. She took her son and went out. Elisha had to go and go before the Lord again and again. He had to walk back and forth in a little bit of time, a little bit of distress to say, Lord, it is you. It's not the power. It's not that you've invested in me. It's not my own ability. This is all you. Our dependence is always upon the Lord. I think even Elisha needed that reminder. The woman, she's the one we're talking about today. She received a second miracle. A second miracle. Not only had she seen God's gift of a son, not only had she seen this miraculous birth, but now she's seen her son back from the dead. Anybody seen a parallel? A special son? 
a, a one who would be back from the dead. Um, Jesus Christ who rose, not just resuscitation, but ultimately resurrection to usher in a new age for all of us where we know that our Savior lives. We know our Redeemer lives. We know that he's gone to prepare a place for us for eternity. Our guarantee is there. Her life and her agony, her suffering became an indicator, a point, a prophecy about who God would ultimately send in his own son who would die on a terrible death, who would die on a cross for our sins to give us new life. Her life becomes a witness, it becomes a testimony, becomes a prophecy of what God would do in sending his own son. Oh, her grief was bad. It had to be agonizing for about, what, 24, maybe 48 hours. It had to be absolutely just horrific for her in what she went through. But God had a plan. God had a purpose. The curveball was not for no reason. The curveball was to bring ultimate glory from God. And God's really great sovereign, wonderful gift to me. As I was driving to church this morning and listening to the Christian radio, uh, they had a little blurb from another pastor, Pastor T.D. Jakes uh, um, out in Dallas was, was preaching. He said, don't you know that the bread needs to be kneaded so that the yeast can work its way and then so it can rise? I thought, okay, good point. He went on to say, look, God's plan is not necessarily for our convenience, but God's plan brings transformation. We are so often unresponsive to, to God's providential acts, God's allowing difficult circumstances in our life. We are resistant to those because they are inconvenient to those. They mess up our plans. The ball is not going in the straight way that we thought it would. The curveball seems to be messing with all of who we want our life to be. We like the blessing. We like the, 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 the wealth. We like the status. We like when everything is going our way. And yet God uses the difficulties in our lives, these changes, to teach us dependence, to teach us more about his provision to teach us more about his love for us and to point others to Jesus because our responses are a witness of who God is. Luke 12, from everyone who has been given much, much more will be demanded. From the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Brothers and sisters, look, the point is we can't just experience those greater blessings. We can't experience the greater blessings of God apart from the troubles of this world. It is in the death of her son that she saw the resurrection or the, the resuscitation of her son, the miraculous power of God. There are certain goods that we can't get to, certain goods of sacrifice and service to others that we can't get to if there weren't problems in the world. There is no miracle that happens except in response to a problem, except in response to a difficulty. We never would have known how much God actually loves us had it not been for the cross. God demonstrates his great provision in the midst of our troubles. The story doesn't quite end there. You think it did. You're thinking, well, is the sermon over? No, no, no. There's one more. In 2 Kings chapter 8, it says this. Now, Elisha said to the woman, and this is a few chapters later, he says to the woman who, whose son had been restored to life, go away with your family. Stay wherever you can because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. Oh, uh, another curveball. <laughs> your wealth 
your home. It's time to move. Anybody settled? I'm not planning to move again. Anybody else planning to move? I got, a, I got my house. It's all fixed up. It's the way I want it. If my wife and I do move, we're selling as is, right? You get the pictures. You get the furniture. We're not packing this thing up again. We're just starting over again. I mean, it, it, moving is a pain. I don't want to do it again. Anybody else with me? You're done with that kind of part of your life. You don't want to move. Okay, lady, it's time to move. I know you're content. It's time to move. Okay, seven years of famine. Well, verse 2, the woman proceeded to do as the man of God said. She and her family, they went and stayed in the land of Philistines uh, for seven years. But at the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines, and she went to appeal to the king for her house and land. You see, while she was gone, someone else has moved in. While she was gone, someone else has set up camp. While she was gone, someone it has been sold. I don't know. Someone's like, hey, you want to buy this house? Yeah. Someone, someone took over. And she went to the king and said, hey, this is our inheritance, our inheritance from the Lord. This is, we are part of this tribe. God has given us this land. This is our spiritual inheritance. And as she went to the king to appeal, she has no guarantee that the king would side with her. But, you know, God is God. Verse 4, the king happened to be talking to Gehazi, that servant of Elisha, the servant of the man of God. And he said, hey, tell me about those great things Elisha had done. I want to hear those stories. They inspire my faith. I want to hear about how God has provided for the people of God, how he's worked in the nation, how he's provided for the people, how he's used the prophet to, to, in what he taught. I want to hear those stories. Brothers and sisters, are you getting where you don't want to miss a week at, at, at Valley? I don't want to miss a week. God has stuff to teach us. God is doing something here. Don't miss a week. We need to hear the stories. We need to hear them not just on Sundays, daily basis. The king wanted to hear the stories. And I love this part. Get this. Get this. It's coincidence. Ha, ha, ha. Not coincidence. It's God. Look what it says, verse 5. Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came in to appeal to the king for the house of the land. And then it says in verse 5, and Gehazi says, oh, and here she is. Oh, and here's her son. You can talk to him. You can meet him. What? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I'm just waiting for that for one of these sermon illustrations. Like, oh, let me tell you about this person. God worked in their lives, and they're a missionary. Well, look, and there they are, you know. And, let me and then just walk in right at that moment. Or look, and I'm going to, biggest goal. I was preaching, and Jesus is coming back, and there he does, right? That would be like, I, I, I told you. I mean, that would be awesome, right? Could you imagine just at the right moment, she's going, okay, I don't know if this is going to work. God, would you just be with us? We're trying to appeal to the king to get our land back, our home, my son, for my son. I'm trying to provide for him. How is this going to work out? The husband's probably gone by now because it's just the woman and her son that are there. She comes back. Just at the right moment, the king's like, oh, that's her? Of course, you know how it's going to go, right? Verse 6, the king um, asked the woman about it, and she told him. She told him the story. She told him about the heartache. She told him about the grief. She told him in a way Gehazi could never have told it, by the way, right? Gehazi goes, oh, yeah, no, she, yeah she, I think she was pretty upset. Yeah, 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 it was bad. She could convey what the emotions of a mother would be like she could tell that story about how God brought her from the moment of darkest grief to a moment of incredible joy and triumph she was able to tell the king this is what this was like it was her testimony that was able to bless him 
He assigned an official to the cause. Uh, they gave back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from the land um, from the day she left the country until now. The king out of the treasury kind of brought something even more. Yeah, she, she received a second miracle, but she received God's provision and an opportunity. An opportunity to be a witness. An opportunity to be a testimony of God's grace. Those of you who have gone through the difficulties, those, those of you who have experienced those curveballs, those of you who have seen God's provision and his answer and his restoration and his ultimate victory, you have a testimony to share. You have a testimony to share about God, about the Lord, about his love, and about his goodness. And all of us have a testimony to share about the grace that comes through Jesus, the grace that comes through Jesus, because all of us share the story. At one time, we were all, Paul says, foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We were lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Paul goes on to say, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we'd done, because of his mercy. He saved us through that washing, rebirth, and renewal through the Holy Spirit so that having been justified through the grace that comes through Jesus Christ, we become heirs having the hope of eternal life. My testimony, no matter what my circumstances are, whether I'm in the middle of the curve or whether I'm on the other side of the victory, is that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus loves me, that Jesus has given me new life because all of us have the testimony what God has done, qualifying us to share an inheritance of the kingdom of light. So whether we've been down that road quite a ways, or whether we're brand new on the journey, God is teaching us, God is calling us to be a witness of his grace, of his mercy. I don't like curveballs. I like my plans to go the way I planned them. That's why I planned them. But I'm learning to accept that God, who loves me, works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, not mine. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, <laughs> then that's where it starts. That's where it starts. His provision for your greatest need in your life has already been given. Come, choose Jesus. For some of you, you're needing to say, this is my church home. This is where I want to be, whether it's while I'm in college or whether it's, you know, but this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to join. God is calling me. Would you respond? I'm going to give us a little time. Uh, the worship team is going to sing. Would you respond to, to, to God's call? Would you respond to his provision? Would you respond? As the Shunammite woman responded, grabbing onto Jesus. She grabbed onto the prophet. Let's grab onto Jesus with both hands. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, I pray that if anyone doesn't know you, they would come to know you today. And Lord, for those of us that, that do know you, Lord, help us see all the circumstances as opportunities for your grace, places of your provision, for the glory of your son, Jesus, whose name we pray.